Hi, this is Steve. And this is Lisa. And this is our podcast called... I Married a History Teacher. And we have a special episode tonight because we have a guest, special guest. Special guest, remote. Remote special guest. Yeah. He is not in studio here in Baltimore yeah, with us. Plenty of six feet between us. But um, let us first talk about sponsorship because we have a couple new sponsors tonight. One we'll, um, we'll go over now. Our first sponsor we have is um, Credit Card Debt. Are you a big loser who doesn't have any friends? Try endearing yourself to acquaintances by living above your means. Then they'll really know how cool you are. Credit card debt. <laughs> Paid for by Russell Foreman. <laughs> Another sponsor we have is um, Jarm's Hiking Boots. If you're going to be climbing that hill, it should probably be in a pair of Jarm's. <laughs> Also paid for by Russell Foreman. <laughs> the first time I'm hearing this. Yeah, well, Russell. that's what uh, Russ paid for. <laughs> and then he's going to promptly stop listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good thing we did it in the beginning. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about him later, so maybe he should keep Yeah, listening. maybe we're going to talk more shit about you. Yeah. Start to finish. Um, but I want to go ahead and get into it because we kind of have a lot planned to talk about tonight. So, and then our, oh, by the way, we have yet another uh, sponsor tonight but she her sponsored ad is going to come halfway through the episode can't wait yes so much to look forward to yeah so without further ado we're going to bring on our guest after a short break hang in there folks and we are joined with our guest brandon glesner brandon say hello Hello, everyone. An honor to be here, Steve and Lisa. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. we got to turn you up a little bit here. Yeah, we're very excited to have you. Yeah, so to give our audience um, a little background on Brandon, Brandon is the, we've talked about him before, he is the host, or one of the four hosts for the XFL Chalk Talk podcast. They are far more professional than we are. Um, we're looking <laughs> at Brandon here on his microphone. We still don't microphone. We still go straight gorilla pod. Uh, but they're very official, you know. They go to the the DC Defender games and you sit in the press box and stuff like that. So we're happy to have such an official podcaster on here. Yeah, you might bring us up a notch. Yeah, looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? I do I do my best, guys. But I, I will say it was so. It was the first time I've ever been a part of like the media. Mm. And I, I got to tell you, like, I, I, Steve, I know you went to an XFL game. I went to two of them, one as a member of the media. And it was a, it was a blast, man. Like, it was like a kind of a, a little bit of a dream come true to kind of cover a, a football game as a member of the media. Mm. Um, sure. It was definitely, like, such a it – was a, it was an awesome year, and I'm just, I'm just pissed it was cut. You know, the, the season oh, was cut yeah. in half. Oh, I didn't even think about that. But it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a bummer. It's a bummer for all those guys who busted their ass all off season too, and then their football season got swiped from them. I know, but yeah, that yeah. is really cool to be to be a member of the media. I would be I would be strutting. My yeah. chest would be puffed. Just real quick, my the only moment of my sports media covering career, I was in the. Um, I was in the room where they were doing post-game interviews and the head coach of the DC defenders, you know, it was, it was, it was opening weekend. So everybody was asking, asking him softball questions like, Oh, you know, how does it feel to coach in the first XFL game? And he's kind of like, Oh yeah, it's great. You know, kind of whatever, you know, kind of given the company line. And then 
you know, I come in, I was the second to last question. I asked him like a really nerdy football question and he went on for like four minutes yeah. and like just made eye contact with me and you, you can actually hear the audio and I'm so nervous asking it. You can just hear my voice cracking, but he just totally loved it. I walked out of there like I was eight foot tall. Eight foot tall. Amazing. Amazing. That's good stuff. Brady. That's good. Yeah. That's great. Um, so speaking of sports, um, we are doing a, a sports history episode against our second sports history. First time here with Brandon. Um, so basically to tell the audience what we are thinking tonight is be- times are a little tough. You know, we got this virus going around and mm-hmm. for sports fans, it's particularly tough because there's no sports on and we're all mm-hmm. sitting at home all day with no sports to watch. Mm-hmm. So we thought it would be a good idea to tell some historical sports stories that were like real good feel good stories. Um, and we're going to do a little bit of tag team and back and forth here. We have multiple stories. It's not just one like we usually do. And Brandon, we're going to start with you. Hey. What's your first story? <clears throat> let's get to it. Yeah, let's get to it. Let, let me first level set just before I get into this. I think really the goal of this episode and what the listeners will get out of it is throughout a lot of tough times in in history throughout, you know, well, modern history, like in the United States and even in other countries, a lot of people really confined in, in sports, right? The ability to get away from everyday life and, and whether hardships in, in finance or health or, or anything, you know, people find a lot of community and they find, a, a, a you know, really sports is a way that they can get away from all of that. What really kind of makes all of what's going on really unique is that's not going on. Right. So it's really hard for a lot of people to vent and forget about it. Mm-hmm. And so when, you know, Steve and I, when, you know, you and I were talking about doing this, I was like, you know, I think, I think this would be really good. And I think it'll also just kind of let the listeners know, like really how, in, you know, not only important normal things are in our everyday life, but really how big, how big of a role sports plays in a lot of this sanity of yeah. people around here. So yeah. for, for sure. sure. For sure. And actually, sorry, I'm going to take us off on a tangent just real quickly. <laughs> Be prepared. Sorry, Brandon. I, I can okay. easily make you lose your train of thoughts. So <laughs> yeah. We're Maybe make a note every time I start just, talking. <laughs> yeah. You got to get used to being we're, interrupted. A keep couple your place. Times. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just to build on that, even beyond um, everything you described about, you know, making people feel better during tough times, um, sports really, the importance of it really, um, became clear to me when I was actually doing my master's in conflict resolution and realized there was an entire like official sector, like PhDs focus on this called sports and peace building. And there's a whole like area of study based around how sports can bring people together. And they've done it in, in, you know, in the West bank and Gaza and bringing uh, Palestinians and Israelis together. And it's like, it's just, it has so many, elements of um of healing really so it's it's quite cool so that's the only thing i was gonna so add there's a great comment combining history and sport oh thank you yeah <laughs> i like to bring it full back all right so steve i'm gonna start it here yeah so <clears throat> does the name james j braddock ring a bell for either of you two uh i know there's a braddock high school in virginia different okay. braddock different braddock okay i braddock. shit yeah, he. I know his name from from Cinderella Man, the film. Great film. Great film. Yes. Okay, so it's a boxer. It is a boxer. Yes. It, it is. It, it is a boxer, and I will. I'm going to go ahead and just kind of level set. 
you know, really a little bit about boxing and roll into his story and just kind of why he was such a big deal during this time. So, mm. you know, starting out, uh, you know, first understanding the context of how big boxing was in the 20s and 30s and 40s. And even even after that, you starting into Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, and even into the 80s, um, boxing is, was really kind of one of the premier sports. But in the 20s and 30s, people loved boxing, especially Americans, because because what existed in big cities were neighborhoods of immigrants. So boxing was their way, their superhero, right? So their neighborhood mm-hmm. boxer would go and fight against the next neighborhood boxer, right? So the Italian, the guy from the Italian neighborhood would go fight the Irish guy, and it was really a point of pride, yeah. right? So there was a big flag of racial and and ethnic pride that kind of went on in the 20s and 30s because as you guys know that's really when cities started to expand and really the country started to really contract because everybody was moving to the cities yeah right oh i love that it was like you know um approved racism basically yeah that's right (laughs) (laughs) that's right but it was a but for a lot of these immigrants that moved here they didn't really really know any better right they, they're living sure. in this you know this new land the land of opportunity yeah. and you know they want something to cheer for and root for so they're going to root for their guy right a lot like you know if you go to a sport you know you go to your uh a skins game or you, or you go to a nas game i'm gonna root for the nas i know it's not ethnicity but like i have my i have my team right that i root for so yeah. kind of a big point of pride and James J. Braddock was born in, in New York, uh, 1905, of Irish immigrants, right, in New York City. Uh, moved to North New Jersey um, and, you know, kind of grew up there his entire, you know, entire childhood. And then in 1926, he ended up turning uh, professional in the light heavyweight division. So um, in boxing, there are, uh, there are a ton of divisions, and it's all based on weight, a lot like wrestling, right? So heavyweight is going to be your heaviest. And I don't have the exact weights. I think it's somewhere. I think it's 200 pounds and up. Nowadays, it may be even higher than that. Um, but he turned pro as a light heavyweight. He's about 6'2", 180 pounds. So you know, pretty, pretty kind of lanky guy, right? Yeah. Um, pretty weighed, lanky. He weighed less he than was, me, and I'm not 6'2". Not quite. Yeah, no. Maybe one day. Um, I'm, I'm five seven, 180 pounds. Wow, and I feel like that still seems big, though, because if I think about the best boxers nowadays, they seem tiny. Like, no, a lot of them are huge. Like the best boxer right okay. now, Wilder, is a monster. Yeah, well, I've never what, even heard of him. Who's it, the guy that's a, in, that takes all the? But it depends points? on the division, though, Lisa. because yeah. it could be um, you may be thinking of like a Floyd Mayweather or like a Manny Pacquiao, right? Yeah, Manny those Pacquiao two. Is, They're little, is tiny. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Tiny little Filipino. Yeah, yeah. But aren't they the best? Yeah, but for their weight class. Oh, they're not just the best. The best. No, they're not just. It's well, it uh, kind of depends. Yeah, we'll never know because we'll never see. We'll, we'll probably never, never know. see Mayweather fight Wilder. We'll never know. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay. Great. So great. So for for three years, um, he starts moving up the ranks. Man, starts winning big, knockout after knockout, until July eighteenth, nineteen twenty nine. He gets his shot at the light heavyweight title against Tommy Lorraine. Right. Uh-huh. Fifteen pound, fifteen round fight. And for those, you know, if you think about 15 rounds, three-minute rounds, you only get, I think it's a 30-second break in between. I mean, it's grueling. Like, 15, I can't even imagine going 15 rounds, taking punch for punch. 
and he ends up losing, right? And he breaks his right hand in the process, Oof. which is kind of super important to know in the story, right? Okay. So right there, kind of moving up the ranks, and he loses his championship bout. And then in September and October of 1929, what, what kind of famous event sparked or what kind of famous event happened in September and October of 1929? Uh, Black Tuesday followed that, by... That's the stock market crash. Yeah. Stock, <laughs> stock market crash, right? And it was really the beginning of the Great Depression. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think this story tells a lot about it just just how things go in tough times, right? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes timing is, isn't everything. And... Braddock will end up losing everything he has, mm-hmm. all of his investments, because he invested just like everybody else in banks, in stocks. Mm-hmm. But when the stock market crashes, none of that money is worth anything. Right. And then surprisingly, he invests in this industry. Think of New York City. Think of something yellow. What is rampant in New York City? Cabs. Cabs, right? He invested in a cab company, and that went under. That's how bad things got. Right. Mm. He invested all in a cab company, and even that went under, right? Like, who would ever thought? So yeah. what, what he'll end up doing is he'll end up fighting on and off for the, next, for the next three, four years, and he'll end up losing 16 out of his next 26 fights. So we're talking about a guy who was at just about being the light heavyweight champion of the world mm. and is now worth nothing, right? Mm. And 16 out of the next 26, he breaks his right hand numerous times, and then in 19, you know, 1933, he just quits. He says, I can't do it anymore because of injuries. Nobody will take his fights because he's, he's kind of a bum. He's kind of a bum at that point. He's, he's not the James J. Braddock that people saw in 1926 all the way in 1929. Hmm. What's even more sad is because he keeps breaking his hand, he can't get any work on the docks, right? Can't get any shifts. So he's, he's hiking up to two to three, sometimes even 10 miles a day along the docks in North New Jersey, near New York City, just trying to get work, right? Just trying to put food on the table. He has three kids, a wife, he lives in a shack, and he can barely keep the lights on, he can barely keep the heat on. And it's just, it's the ultimate high to the ultimate low in really a matter of, of four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just something that I think a lot of people at that time can really identify with. I mean, think about if you were in that situation, you had lost everything. And I mean, where do, where do you turn, right? And, and I think that's something that that's extremely identif- identifiable in the world. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly what you're saying. I mean, there was just so many people struggling like that, I'm sure. Uh, I, I honestly can't even imagine the rug being pulled out like that. It must be harder to fall from that high, though, too. I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, you were you, you were literally that close to your dream of being that the light heavyweight champion of the world, and then you've li- literally a fall from grace. I mean, you can't even get can't even get work. You're walking miles. You can't even keep food on the table. Yeah. Um, yeah, but just like home. any good story, right? You have that really low end, and then. Yeah. June 14th, 1934, so we're in the heart of the Depression. June 14th is Flag Day and Steve's birthday. Hey. hey. hey this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's all coming together. Just crushed it. Dude. All flowing together, right? So let me, let me ask you guys something. If you – so how it works in boxing is generally these matches are planned months in advance. 
right? Because you have to train physically, you have to get a plan together, um, you have to train for that plan, depending on your size and weight, if you fight somebody else, that really depends on what you're gonna do, right? So June 14th, 1934, a couple days before, guy named Corn Griffin, who was a contender for the heavyweight champion of the world. So, so there's light heavyweight and then there's heavyweight, which is the biggest weight division you can be in. Corn Griffin, whoever was fighting him backs out last minute due to an injury. So if you're a show promoter, Madison Square Garden, everything, you've already sold tickets. You got to find someone to go in there and take a beating. Right. And it's basically impossible. They can't find anyone last minute because nobody is going to sign up last minute to go get their brains beat in. Right. Who, yeah. who would sign up for that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you pay me enough money. I'll do it right now. I'll go, <laughs> I'll, I'll go fight That's Wilder. Right. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. So, you need wife sign off. <laughs> so, so that's exactly what happens. Joe Gold, his trainer gets a fight behind his back and says, Hey, look, tomorrow night, you're going to fight Corn Griffin and it's X amount of dollars. I forgot the amount is, you know, it was, a, it was a decent payday for them, uh, for him, at least enough to get by. Right, right, right. And of course he's going to take the fight. I mean, he's living basically in a glorified shaft. He's not working. He's like, absolutely. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you know it by the sheer luck, he ends up knocking out Corn Griffin in the third round. Right. Uh, great. Nice break. Right. And just for us that don't follow boxing, if you knock someone out, you automatically win, right? I guess because they can't keep going. Sorry, I'm hearing yeah. myself talk. So, so if you knock um, someone, if you knock someone out, it means you know, obviously you landed a punch. He lands on the canvas, and he's got ten seconds to get up. Mm. And he doesn't get up. Okay, so the knockout essentially applies. You've gotten punched that hard, and then you could not get up in ten seconds. Perfect. And then you yep. lost, no matter how many rounds before then. That's correct. You yeah. can get knocked down the first round. You can get knocked down the fifteenth round. Wait, sorry. And now that I'm asking, sorry. What determines how many rounds go? Like, is it until it, someone is knocked out? No, there's a limit. So, like, a lot of heavyweight fights now are twelve rounds. Okay, and so it's just go, whoever's best of twelve. Yeah, and it's a, it goes to a judgment call. So, like, it'll yeah. be a TKO if it goes all twelve rounds because a judge will have to What's say the who TKO? won. Technical knockout. Oh, okay. Yeah. Technical oh, okay, knockout so is like, hey, he's been beaten enough. Yeah. We, we're gonna. We're not gonna let him get beat up anymore. Yeah, wow. and that could happen at any round too. So yeah. you you you're either getting a KO or a TKO. No, you can get judge's decision, which goes all twelve, and then the judge. I was unclear. That's my fault. Okay. Yeah. All right. So essentially, the goal in boxing is to knock the other guy out, yeah. right? So there's like a lot of brain damage involved in this, probably, yeah. right? Oh, with no, that that happens in boxing. A lot of these boxers end up you know, having brain damage and, you know, it's just like football players. Right. Right. Wow. Uh, I mean, I knew it was violent, but I just, I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about boxers that. were the first CTE victims. They, oh, yep. for sure. Yeah, yep. for sure. Yep. They must be. Um, wow. So he knocks him out third round, knocks him out third round, completely stuns the world because corn Griffin was a, a contender. He, he was an up and coming guy and he was thought of to be kind of the next guy to challenge for the heavyweight title, right? That's yeah. the biggest of the biggest division, right? So because of that, you know, he gets a payout and then they, he was like, well, let's, let's see if we can catch lightning in a bottle. So he gets another fight with a guy named John Henry Lewis, knocks him out. What? So he, he getting two. So now, now we're starting to, now we're starting to get some momentum, right? And yeah. starting to get some press. It's starting to get his story out there of, hey, this guy was coming from nothing, literally had nothing, mm -hmm. and is literally fighting to put milk 
and bread in his house, right? Mm-hmm. Sick of the bread lines, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. so then comes really the, the, the second biggest fight up to the kind of the, the crescendo of the story fights a guy named Art Lasky. And Art Lasky's a big favorite. They think Art Lasky is really going to be the next guy to be the heavyweight champion of the world. He, James Braddock fights him, beats him in 15 rounds with a decision. So the judges um, decided that, that, uh, that Braddock beat him in the fight, so he ended up winning, right? Mm-hmm. So at, at now, pandemonium's going. He's getting this huge following. A lot of these Americans that have fallen on really hard times, that had taken government relief, that weren't able to put food on the tables are really finding their hero and they're really finding a guy that, that they identify and that, yeah. that he is fighting for them, right? He is not necessarily fighting the other guy. And you know, he's fighting for everybody who's going through a similar type of time. So really the United States really gets behind this guy. And then it goes and he ends up fighting a guy who's the heavyweight champion of the world. So he gets another shot, except he gets a heavyweight championship fight, a guy named Max Bayer. Now, the story of Max Bayer is also interesting because he's he, he was thought of as an extremely, um, uh, I, I should say, flamboyant guy, right? Big time partier, big gambler, mm-hmm. big womanizer. Like the of, uh, of- <laughs> uh, he had actually killed two guys in the ring. Um, actually beat two guys to death in, in a boxing match. Um, and, and Braddock was coming in as a 10 to one underdog. And it was thought that Braddock didn't have any chance. Um, there was, there was, there was nothing that was going to ha- that he could do. Max bear was known as one of the most ferocious punchers, maybe of all time up to that time. Mm. <laughs> and and really what ended up happening was a tale of two stories. So if you look at the Bayer camp, the, Max Bayer didn't care, right? Just completely dismissed James Braddock, said, hey, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat him. I'm not going to train very hard. I'm not going to do a lot of this stuff. Well, the Braddock camp was the other way around. Intensely trained in the Casco Mountains. He actually gained 10, 10 pounds of muscle during training. Mm. And it's clear there was no respect from Bayer to Braddock, right? He just mm. thought he was going to waltz right in there. Yeah. Well, one, an interesting kind of side note before we get to the kind of crescendo, the, the crescendo is Braddock was so confident that he was going to beat Bayer that night for the heavyweight championship of the world that he actually took a nap pre-fight, right? <laughs> Think about that. Like you, you're sitting there and you're about to go and, and, pretend, and fighting the heavyweight champion of the world who everybody says is probably going to kill you in the ring. Right. And, and he just takes a nap. Now, Max Bayer does the complete opposite. Max Bayer pre-fight. Now, they don't know if this was in the dressing room or it was earlier that day, but kind of pulls a move, met some girl, and uh, definitely uh, definitely banged it out before the match. Yeah. <laughs> Lost all that testosterone. His trainer because <laughs> his trainer was like, dude, you got to fight a match. And the whole thing was like, you know, sex makes the – makes the legs weak and and all that kind of stuff and yeah, that's a, that's how much he didn't care about it right yeah. so yeah that's the opposite of a nap yeah. i thought about it that way before but it kind of is like physical activity yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway so whole, whole country behind him uh whole country behind him braddock comes out fights the fight of his life beats Bayer in 15 rounds for the heavyweight championship of the oh, world. Wow. And he did it in a unanimous decision. Wow. Unanimous decision. So how it works, Lisa, is, is in a boxing match, there's three judges. Yeah. 
So if you go the max amount around, it goes to the judge's scorecard. Okay. And all three of them said that Braddock beat Bayer. So it's called a unanimous decision. So so he ended up winning, right? Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, it, again, imagine if you are struggling to put food on your table, you can't get work, and this guy goes out and really does the impossible, right? Yeah. So really kind of captured the nation and cat and really captured everybody's heart saying, Hey, I can get over this. Right. Mm. Because this, this guy did it. This guy came from nothing. If he can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Um, so really kind of a really good, good feels good. Um, feel good story. And then before I just kind of finished the story, one real quote that kind of echoes that is his wife may was quoted in the newspaper after he won saying, my husband wasn't seeing Max in the ring that night. What he saw was a fierce ogre trying to keep him from chasing the bid bag wolf from our door. He was thinking of me and the kids every minute of those 15 terrific fighting rounds. It's a great quote. That's so sweet. Great quote. Yeah. Um, That's a great story. And then, uh, so just kind of ending, he would actually remain the heavyweight champion of the world until 1937, where he lost to uh, one of the greatest fighters of all time in Joe Lewis. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, and he ended up yeah, losing to Joe Lewis, and uh, that was really it for him. But it, kind of a really great story of, you know, rags to riches, um, really captured the country. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Wow. That's a great one. Congratulations on your first story. Yes. Here. 10 out of 10. <laughs> yes. Captivating. Yeah. Thank you. That's wonderful. And it's, I mean, I, I don't follow boxing, but I, it's safe to say that's probably not that well known. That story? The sport, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that story was only told if you've seen Cinderella Man. Oh, shoot. And okay. I don't think I know too many ladies that sat around watching a three-hour-long boxing movie yeah. in the 1920s. <laughs> so I'm looking over my girlfriend, and she definitely raised her hand because I made her watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> is, I didn't, yeah, that's funny. I didn't I, realize that you know what, but there's that. enough, there, there's enough uh, heartfelt, and some romance in there that I think Lisa would like. It's yeah. not, it's not all boxing. I'm in, I'm in. I, uh, yeah. Not especially now that I've heard this. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we'll check it out. You will. Thank you. Great flick. Uh, to keep things rolling here, Glass, what I'm going to do is I have decided that you're the guest. You're pretty good at this. I'm going to do one quick story and then I'm going to let you do your second one. And for timing's sake, we'll probably cut it off there. All right. All right. Does that work with you? But real quick, we have an, a paying sponsor that I'm going to do a commercial for um real quick uh she she told me uh to do a commercial to visit her city so i wrote a commercial for her nice. um so this commercial is brought to you by alan ernheim um <clears throat> do you like taking your kids to sporting events where they throw batteries at santa but cheer when the opposing team gets career-ending injuries how about visiting a town whose regional delicacies consist of beef on hoagie bread sprayed with canned cheese and fried pig parts and cornmeal? Then I've got the city for you, Philadelphia. Come visit the rich history of this old American town, see the Liberty Bell, visit Ben Franklin's museum, and take photo in front of imaginary characters. Yes, they've got it all here, the city of brotherly love. And by that, I mean fist fighting your family shirtless while blacked out at an Eagles game. <laughs> Okay, I'm Ellen. I'm sorry. She trusted Stephen to write a lovely commercial about the city of Philadelphia. I was just speaking truth. Yeah, no. I, I mean, you had Liberty to know Bell. that he was going to be an asshole about it, but I'm coming in with all the nice things to say about Philly. Um, I visited a couple times now. Um, I think it's a wonderful city that everyone should visit. It's um, It's got an amazing food scene. Um, we've... 
I still think about this one meal that we went to with Ellen not that long ago. And, okay, I'm not going to sell it really well right now because I'm going to be talking about eating snails. But it's all to say I didn't think I would enjoy eating snails. Not only did I enjoy eating snails at this restaurant, but they, like, were some of the best, like, the best dish I've ever had. Um, and so that's all to say. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't necessarily need to go to Philly to eat snails. But <laughs> I was just kidding. Visit Philly. It's got character and heart, and I like it. Yeah. Um, I'm not, are you cutting me off? Yeah, she paid for 30 seconds, and we've already no, given her a full minute. I, okay. We got to stay on time here. All right. Sorry, Ellen. No, not sorry. I mean, I, you're I, welcome, Ellen. <laughs> it also has great markets and great people, and um, I it's second only to Baltimore. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm done. All right. Now, my story is not American. I was going to do an American story. I was going to talk about Katrina and the Saints, but I'm going to skip that one. Maybe we'll do that another day. But um, I want to talk about the 1992 Olympics in basketball. Hmm. Glass, do you remember anything about the 1992 Olympic basketball teams? Uh, well, in 92, wasn't that the dream team, right? Is this dream team? That was, the, that the, was the dream team year. Yeah. However, what I want to talk about is what's famously known as the other dream team mm-hmm. from that same year. Okay. Ooh. Now, the tiny little country, the Baltic state of Lithuania, mm. actually has an incredible story from that year that I want to talk about. Same year that the U.S. had their dream team. Yes. Which was, was that Jordan? It must have been Jordan, obviously. But, like, I was only five then? Yes. I feel like the dream team was, like, a thing I knew about. I I was was going to cover this a bit later. We should cover who was on that team because their roster is ridiculous. It was. Glass, how many people can you name off the top of your head? Uh, Let's see. Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. Um, I'm going to give you a real obscure one. The only college player was Christian Leitner. That's true. Um. Larry Bird, uh, let's see, Isaiah Thomas. He refused to show up. He was Who supposed did? to be there, Isaiah Thomas. Oh, that's right. He did. He wasn't on the team. That's right. He was supposed to be, but he was like being Isaiah Thomas about it. Isaiah Thomas. Um, you're you're yeah. skipping two classic um, teammates. Two, two class, uh, Scotty Pippen? Scotty Pippen was on it, but then... Um, what about the pick and roll? The pick and roll masters. Uh, pick and roll masters. Carl Malone, the, John Stockton. Oh, John Stockton, yeah. Carl Malone. Oh yeah, that's right. They were on that. Patrick team. Ewan, Clyde Drexler, and Charles Barkley also. Gosh, on that the team. team was stacked. Wow. Yeah, okay. probably the best basketball team of all time and ever will be. And so Michael Jordan's pretty young then. He was like young. Yeah, I mean, he'd already won two na- national titles at that point. He won in 91, 92. Wow. NBA titles. Yeah. 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 God, I don't, I don't he was kind of in the he was kind of in the prime of his career then. Mm-hmm. Like that was like his prime. Wow. It was also the only Olympics he ever agreed to play. He was like he was like he thought that Olympics should be kept for amateurs. So he was like, I'm not going to keep doing this. Like other younger guys should have opportunity to do this. Hmm. Wow. Okay. But anyway, now so Lithuania. This was actually the first time that Lithuania had its own basketball team. Guess why? Lithuania didn't have its own basketball team until 1992. Wars? I mean, I need a more specific answer than that, y'all. Uh, Soviet Union falls yeah, and yeah, breaks yeah. off their states. Yes, there you go. So Lithuania was this part of this Soviet Union. So Lithuanians were forced to play for the USSR. 
And they actually won in the Seoul Olympics in 1988. And four of their starters that year were Lithuanians. Wow. But, you know, they win the gold medal, actually, in Seoul, right? But it's all USSR. It's all that their national anthem, their sickle and star everywhere, they're red everywhere, right? But anyway, of course, as Glesner mentioned, all right, Soviet Union is going to fall apart in 1989. So they're finally going to have their chance in 1992. However, they're going to be severely limited because they don't have money to get to Barcelona to go play in the Olympics. They don't have Dude, think about it. They have, they're a tiny little Baltic state that just broke away from a communist dictatorship, essentially. Wow. So they're like extremely limited financially. Well, do we know anything about like why they're? I mean, it just looking at like just pure square area. I mean, it's like Russia is what like a hundred times bigger than Lithuania. Do we know why Lithuania has so much talent? That's actually a great question, and I don't think we have time to get into the details. But essentially, the story goes: there's like this huge basketball influence. In Lithuania, they just fell in love with basketball in the 1939 World's Fair. And, like, they started playing basketball all the time. And then they got, like, relocated around the world and, like, during the wars and around Europe. Hmm. And they would cling together and have these brotherships by playing basketball with each other. Hmm. Not to mention that they're all freakishly tall. Right. Although so are Russians, right? Or are yeah. they even taller? I mean, I don't know. They're all They're tall. wiry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so it was like a cultural like yes. affinity for it. It's almost like, kind of, I think of it as almost like Germans now. It's like the Germans are super into basketball right now. And it kind of, that happened with Lithuania like back in the 1930s. Cool. All right. All right. So, great question, Lisa. Okay. Um, so anyway, they're having, struggling trying to get the funding to go to Barcelona for the 92 Olympics, even though they got this great talent. Well, they somehow get connected to Bill Walton. Lisa, do you know who Bill Walton is? Walmart? <laughs> no. no, no. <laughs> Glass, you know who Bill Walton is? I absolutely know who Bill Walton is. What a, what a, what a goofball. Yes. Do you know what, what band Bill Walton was famous for following for a large chunk of his life? I, uh, I, I do, I do know. Um, it, I think it's, is it the Grateful Dead? It is the Grateful is Dead. Who is Bill Walton? So Bill Walton is a UCLA great. Played yeah. in the NBA for a while. One of the best basketball players ever. I think he's a top 50 basketball player. And he time. definitely didn't invest in Walmart. Yeah, he has nothing to do with Walmart. He has, he has nothing to do with Sam Walton. My instincts no. are telling me there's a connection. There's a big actually, actually, he's probably the exact opposite of Sam Walton. I, like, yes. Oh, it's the same last name. If I'm wrong, yes. Steve. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Okay, good. I was like, I swear Walton has something to do with Walmart. Okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, They're but he's like a, he was like a big hippie. Yeah. Like his big thing in the, the state, like big time hippie. So, yeah. and Bill Walton is super tall too. He's like seven foot. Mm. Um, and Unrelated though. It's funny you mentioned him as a basketball player, Steve. Like my dad still talks about watching him and he said he was the greatest player he's ever seen in person. Oh, wow. Because he played at UCLA and my dad went to University of Washington and he used to go to basketball games and see UCLA and he was like, Bill Walton is like by far the best player I've ever seen. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So he's a fantastic player and he's a huge hippie. And even if you watch him, he announces games now. Mm-hmm. And even if you watch him announce games, he's sometime wearing, sometimes wearing a tie-dye Grateful Dead shirt to announce games. 
and he just says the weirdest, most outlandish shit, and it's clearly because he's dropped too much acid and smoked too much pot. That's right. Wow. And he's like real woo-woo out there hippie dude. And he's like still announcing NBA games on like TNT and shit. Wow, you can really milk that talent for a while. Yeah, you can. What are are some of his catchphrases? I feel like he has a lot of good catchphrases, but they're just not coming to me like when he – when he like calls games. Yeah, you're right. And it's, yeah. it's shameful. I should have prepared to like made sure I know more. But uh, to be honest with you, I was just going to do a quick comment about Bill. Oh, go, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> go ahead. We're getting you off track. You got to be preparing. But like eventually these, these really tall, really, really good Lithuanian basketball players get connected with Bill Walton. And Bill Walton is obsessed with the Grateful Dead. Okay. So these basketball players attend a Grateful Dead show on Bill Walton's dime somewhere in Europe. I don't remember exactly where. And after the game, they bring... The game or the show? Sorry. After the show, yep. the Grateful Dead show, they bring them backstage to meet the Grateful Dead. So the, this American band meets these Lithuanian basketball players and they cut them a check to sponsor them, to pay for them to go to the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. What? And not only that, the best part about this story is that they pay for their warm-up outfits and their warm-up uniforms are (laughs) (laughs) tie-dye. So you see like these seven-foot Lithuanian dudes in the Olympics warming up and just decked out in tie-dye in 1992. Wow. That's fabulous. Yeah. And then, <laughs> so they're there and they make it to Barcelona and they're playing and then and it, it's, it works out nicely. They're doing really well. And then it gets to the semifinals. Um, the semifinals are big in Olympic basketball because the winner goes to the gold-silver game and the loser goes to the bronze fourth-place game. Um, yeah. And Lithuania, unfortunately, has to play the United States. They don't stand a chance. They lose to the United States. Of course, as I mentioned, it's probably the best basketball team ever assembled. And they have to play Russia in this game. Their uh-huh. rival, Russia. And they end up beating Russia and winning the bronze medal against their way bigger, like, oppressive older brother to win a medal as tiny little Lithuanian basketball. That's so awesome. Yeah, great story. I should also say that four of them did go on to play in the NBA. So they were like super, super legit that they had four NBA players on that squad. Yeah, that's super legit. And also, I mean, Russia really is coming in for these – for these humanity wins for other countries, right? I mean, well, it is, but it's also selective memory, right? So it's like we don't tell the story of how Russia won <laughs> the 1988 gold medal in Seoul. It's better to tell the story of like, yeah. yeah. Mm. But we, yeah, we we also don't say. I think it was the 72 Olympics where. It was the whole scandal where they thought that they paid off the officials, like the referees and the Soviets had three chances to beat the Americans at the buzzer. And the third time they finally did it. Um, you know, the Soviets beat us in 72 in basketball. Uh, so yeah. 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 Screw those stories. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. No one wants to hear that. Nobody likes to hear that. Think about how <laughs> shitty Rocky four would have been if the Russian one, you yeah. know, we, no one wants to hear that story. Yeah. Greatest cold war propaganda movie ever. <laughs> yeah. It sure is. It's, it's right there. It's right up there. That's funny. Well, but I'm yes. glad they got their own wins. Quick shout out. There is a documentary about this team and literally is called the other dream team. Um, I can't wait to watch it. 
I just found out this today. I've been preparing all week to talk about Hurricane Katrina and the Saints, but I just read this story real quick and I loved it so much. I was like, I want to talk about this instead, and I'll do Katrina another day. I, so I have I've seen parts of that documentary. I think it's on ESPN Plus, or I, I definitely remember watching it a little bit. Um, I didn't finish it, so it was really good to to get a lot of that. That's cool, man. The Grateful Dead. Who would have ever thought? Yeah, I know. I love it. And it, it like, I don't know. Apparently, so like their quote was something like, "We are huge, like we're lovers of the free world, but we're also lovers of of the sport of basketball." And that's that's so funny that those like hippies were just so into like NBA and basketball. Yeah. Yeah, I would not have uh, realized that was such a pairing. Yeah, but you know. You can't put people in a box, you know? Everyone's right. different. You they can. like what they like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a free world, you know? Yeah, exactly. Right. See what I did there? I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, Glass, you are up for your second story. What do you got for us? I, I think it's a really good segue, actually, when we talk about the Soviets, because this one will have to do with the with the Soviets. And I'm not going to... I'm not going to tell everybody what it is. I think when I start talking about it, it a lot of the listeners will, will know what I'm going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think is interesting about this event is that the older, as, as time goes on, the true impact of this event will kind of fade off because a lot of people won't remember what it was like to live during that time, right? Like our parents will remember, like, will like we'll remember like the late seventies, early eighties, right? Like they remember that they remember the end of the cold war. We, we, we just don't, right? I mean, we, yeah. we, we don't, um, no. we don't know what that was like. So kind of level set, just kind of the, the atmosphere and the economics and, and the political ramification, what was going on in this time. So think, let's go back in the time machine. Let's go late 1970s. We will first start, uh, politically start politically. So, um, late 1970s, do, do any, um, just kind of United States political events stick out to either of your, to, to either's mind, late seventies. Mm, well, I'm thinking we're, pe- we're past the Vietnam war. We're, we're past the Vietnam war, but I think there's probably a lot of arguments to say that the effects of Vietnam is still lingering, right? The fact sure. that we didn't really win, right? No. right? Yeah. Um, it, a lot of people died, and yeah. what really got accomplished? Yeah. Right? I mean, it's... Right. Um, yeah. Reagan's and... No, Reagan doesn't take over till 80, 81. 81, okay, yeah. So it's, who is it then? It's whoever took over Nixon. Jimmy Carter? Oh, Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter would have been in the late 70s. Okay, so Jimmy Carter is... There's the gas crisis... Uh, We're gonna get into that. That's oh, coming. Nice. That's coming. Okay. Um, and then was he Iran? No, he no. He was the uh, the. Uh, so think more global. Think more global. The Olympics. With the United States. What, what kind of was going on? Is there any events? I, I've got a couple that I'm gonna say, but is that the Olympics and, and the Israeli Olympic thing? When was that? Uh, close. That the Iran hostage situation. Oh, that was right? Reagan the, too. Right. So so that had just happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that actually lasted over a year. I think it was 444 days, um, oh, which is right, kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, late seventies politically also happened, uh, the, you know, in terms of the cold war, the Soviets, uh, invaded Afghanistan. Uh, yeah. So that's a big one. Um, I still think that there was a general distrust 
from the presidency with the fallout of Watergate gate as well. The seventies is kind of a weird time politically because there's really not a whole lot going on other than like kind of still feeling the effects of Watergate and, and Vietnam and kind of really don't really know where we sit with the world. We're in this weird cold war kind of lot, a lot, lot of things going on, especially it kind of escalates at the end of the seventies, the, the early 1980s when the Soviets invade Afghanistan. So that's what's happened politically. And then that kind of leads into the economics of the situation. So late seventies, the United States economy, what are, what, what are, does anything come to mind? Like when we think about that time, what was going on? Really high interest rates, high interest rates. Yep. High oil prices, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. unemployment, recession, Oh, because um, yeah. they would talk about a, recession in that 70s show and it's in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the phrase, it's a macroeconomic term called stagflation is occurring in the United States. So it's slow economic growth, but you're getting rising prices and you're getting rising inflation. Huh. So it was a big thing in the Keynesian school where, you know, interest where, you know, growth and inflation and unemployment kind of had this relationship. I think it's inverse. And during this time, it kind of proves opposite. Um, and so the only way to really stop it was to raise interest rates before you get runaway inflation. So that's why you had high interest rates. Mm. Um, so a lot of things going on, right? But what people don't know is that that was actually happening all over the world too. It actually, part of what crumbled the Soviets as well, but they're invading Afghanistan at the time. So not a lot of people really know that. So, so you got stagflation. So You've got kind of everything kind of hitting the pocketbooks. You've kind of got this weird, at, at, you know, after effects going on politically. And really, when the Soviets invade another country, you're like, man, these guys are like on the move, right? And we just lost a war in Vietnam. A lot of vulnerability, right? A lot of, a lot of you know, kind of fear, you know, kind of a scared American public, like, man, where do we turn, right? So, so then, then happens the win- winter of 1980. So does anybody know, either of you, know where the Winter Olympics were held? Moscow. Not Moscow. Damn. Not Moscow. Berlin? No. It's random. Lake Placid, New York. Oh, that's right. Lake yeah, Placid. yeah, that's right. Not, not to confuse yourself with the movie with the alligators. Yeah. I think they're dated. Was that Lake Placid? Oh, that was it Lake was? Placid. Yeah, that's a great reference. Uh, good pull. It is yes, wonderful. Um, so, but, but right before the the Winter Olympic Games, Jimmy Carter, in um, protest to the Soviets invading Afghanistan, said that we would not be sending any athletes to the 1980 Summer Olympics. Right. So, a lot going on politically, right? And you know, just like as I said. We get to the Winter Games and uh, specifically hockey, right? Hockey is the, the, the big competitive sport that's going to be going on, right? Yep. When we talk about the Soviet, the Soviet Union versus the United States, it's really David versus Goliath here. And, and I'm going to break each down before we get into the actual game. So okay. Soviet Union, heavy favorites to win the gold medal again. Um, they, had lo- they had actually won the last four gold medals in hockey. I didn't know that. Um, they hadn't lost a game, international game, since 1968. Wow. Um, the year before the Winter Olympics in Lake Placid, they had actually beat the NHL All-Stars the year before. Mm-hmm. So they had taken down the best of the best of the NHL, which is at that time, I, I don't know. 
I don't know if it's the premier hockey league in the world. Um, I don't know how it worked in, in Eastern Europe because hockey at that time, I still think was really kind of Eastern Europe and kind of a Canadian sport. I think over the years, it's kind of really blended in and become, you know, a part of American sport, um, as well. So going up against a team that a lot of people thought was assemble was one of the greatest of all time from a talent perspective. So that, so you got Soviet Union, big time favorite. So let's talk about the, the United States coming in to the, to the 1980 Olympics. Do you think that NHL players played for the United States team? I don't, but I watch Miracle. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have only known this from watching Miracle. Yeah. I know it was a lot of like those Northern schools, like your Minnesota's, your Big Ten sort of schools. Wisconsin. I'm sure there was a couple of Wisconsin boys on the team. That's right. Yeah. The Edges. That's where my heart is. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so obviously Miracle is, is based on this, but I don't, I don't think the movie, Mir- the, the movie Miracle really focused on kind of the players. To me, I, I like to focus on the, the, the external part of it and really the impact that it had. Um, United States team made up of a bunch of college players, a lot of people from the Northeast, you know, from the Boston area, people from Wisconsin, Minnesota, um, college coach and Herb Brooks. Um, yeah. And the, the Soviets had beat him at, beat him in a uh, tune-up game two weeks before, uh, you know, beat him ten to three. Yeah. Right. Um, so re- really, no, re- really no hopes going into in, into this game, and the United States gets into the the semifinal game, which even with a bunch of college players, that that was pretty good for them. I, I mean, had you, had you told Herb Brooks that they would have a chance to get to the gold medal game, he would have signed up. He, that that would have been way more than what he expected. Yeah. Um, and what anybody following the United States hockey would have expected. So gets in there. Now, before we get into the game, um, some kind of uh, some cool facts about the game. So the, the game wa- uh, ha- was decently attended, mm-hmm. um, about 8,500. Um, but did you know the game was actually on tape delay? It was not taped live. No, I didn't know that. Wow. It was not taped live. So a famous story, my, my dad, my mom and dad were, um, they were either in uh, a small group at their church or they were, they were in church. But the, the, the famous story was somebody stood up in church after, um, I, I don't know how I found it, or somebody came running in and basically said, oh my goodness, we beat the Soviets. And everybody stood up in the church and started applauding. <laughs> <laughs> right. We, we, we beat the, we beat the commies. Um, so that's kind of interesting. It was actually on tape delay. So we won the game and there's no social media. There's no Twitter. There's no internet. So nobody knows until they, until people start giving people phone calls after the game because it hadn't even aired live yet. So kind of interesting fact about that. Hmm. Um, another interesting fact Al Michaels, Al Michaels, very famous um, play-by-play uh, announcer, commentator for the NFL, um, does Sunday night football, has been doing Sunday night football for years, done college football, done a lot of sports. The, um, the semifinal game with the United States versus Soviet was actually his first ever hockey game commentating. Oh, wow. Nice. Um, that kind of kind of a neat little nugget yeah. I dug up and yeah. doing my I mean, research in the game. What it's, a pretty, it's a pretty easy inauguration, to be honest with you. I mean, it's you like just the number one, best just, one. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the, <laughs> yeah. It's almost like if you're Al, Al Michaels, you never want to call another hockey game again. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Like the ultimate high. Why would I ever do another <laughs> do game? Do the one and end it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. End on a high note. Yeah. Um, 
So getting in the game, um, you know, uh, so, you know, obviously the Soviets are the better team. Um, you know, they end up tied 3-3. And then with 10 minutes left in the third period, Michael Ruzioni, um, captain of the, uh, the American squad, ends up scoring with 10 minutes left to go. Um, one thing that's kind of forgot about this game is that the Soviets drastically outplayed the, the Americans. Um, the Soviets had 39 shots on goal while the Americans had 16. Mm. Um, so you could say that the Americans made their, uh, made their shots count, but they didn't have very many shots, so they had to make it count. <laughs> um, so Mike Ruziani scores, goal number four. Um, they end up beating the Soviets four to three. Um, USA, 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 USA. USA. Um, so that's babe. A lot of what a lot of people don't realize about what's now been dubbed the Miracle on Ice was that was actually the semifinal game. That was not the actual gold medal game. They end up playing, I believe it was Finland the next or two days later, and they end up beating coming from behind and beating Finland Finn as well to win the win the gold medal. Um, and then I had I had one more cool little nugget about the game. There was the out shooting, Al Michaels. Oh, just going back to Al Michaels, like him being, you know, his first ever hockey game, his maybe most famous call ever was his first ever hockey game saying, do you believe in miracles? Yes. Right. I, yeah. I still remember, like, I remember hearing that listening to everything kind of over and over and over. So Americans beat the Soviets. David slays Goliath, all of that. Now, um, the reason I brought up the stuff beforehand, the, 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 uh, the economy, uh, the political, um, kind of the political realm, what was going on at that time, is really the first time that the American people were able to see um, kind of an ideologic, uh, ideological win, mm, right? Sure. The, I, I mean – you lost Vietnam. The Soviets are invading Afghanistan. They have the best hockey team in the world. And literally these ragtag bunch of college players come in and beat the big, bad Soviets. And not only do they beat the big, bad Soviets, but they go and they win the gold medal two days later. So really kind of a, a, a national event and a national, uh, you know, kind of a, a moment where the American people could really say, hey, let, let's do this. Let, let's over, let's overcome all of this, right? Like, we're not going to lose the Cold War. We're not going to do all of these things, right? We're not going to let ourselves be dragged down by the political atmosphere and the, the economic atmosphere. Um, so it was a really big rallying point for the American people. So um, do you think, think another, kind of another example of just kind of how sports kind of transcends, transcends life, um, kind of allows us to, gives us hope. Um, and I think the, the miracle on ice did that for certainly my parents. I'm sure your parents would say the same thing. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Do you think another big rallying point for the Americans is when we armed and trained Osama bin Laden? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, that was a big win because he helped beat the Soviets in Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe they. Maybe we were doing that while the miracle on ice was happening. Like yeah. At yeah. That, I'm sorry. I'm being a smartass. Being a this, smart this, ass. Is this is a feel is a good. This is it's a feel a good, good episode. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I, you know what? Here's here's what I'll say. The world's a complicated place. Yeah, That's what yeah there you go. This is true. This That's is what true. you need to do. There are, there are interests all across the spectrum, right? Let's art, it, right? What's the famous What's the famous phrase? The enemy of the enemy is my friend. Yes. 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 There you go. Of course. 
Exactly. Of course. And again, I'm just being a dick. This is a feel-good episode. By the way, Glass, we, we're allowed to cuss on our podcast. Do you want to throw some cuss words out there just for fun? Like, are you used to cuss? Generally, in, in my XL podcast, we we know that there's like teenagers and, and other other things watching, so we try to remain as clean as we can. Right. Um, yeah, it feels good to swear. It does. We yeah. made it very clear from the beginning that even though this is called I Married a History Teacher and I was a high school history teacher in my my earlier years, that we wanted to be us and we kind of cuss. So we wanted to make it like, you know. Inappropriate. <laughs> no, we wanted to make it real. So, you know. It is real. I mean, I fucking swear all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just how you got to be. You know, you got to be yourself. But, like, I totally get you guys. You know, you guys are doing it right. We are just, you know. We're just doing it. We're just fucking around. <laughs> yeah. So. It's just all a couple good. hacks. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. That's what we call ourselves. Just, you know, we're just a you couple what, of hacks. What's beautiful gorilla. about podcasting is, is, like, all you need is some chemistry yeah. and a good topic. And then just a little bit of uh, just just digital smarts and research, and boom, you can get a podcast up. Yeah. yeah. Nice. One of the things um, that I got me into podcasting was listening to the My Favorite Murder Girls. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know how everyone used to say everyone has a book in them? As in everyone could write a book if they really tried. They were like, the new everyone has a book in them is everyone has a podcast in them. You just got to find right. your thing. Yeah, those are your that's inspirational right. seeds. Yeah, that's right. Look at us now. Yeah. So many right. followers. I, I, will, I, I will like to say, and, and I'll give your, I will say that my girlfriend and I are avid, avid listeners mm-hmm. and fans of this podcast. I will say that. Thank you. We I'm married to history teacher. We've, we've told people about it. We love it. Every road trip we go on, we're like, man, Steve and Lisa got a new episode. Yeah. And we're just, <laughs> we like, man, there, there's a lot of good ones. The, the Haiti, you know, I, I love all the, um, you, you guys tell the history stories so well. So the stuff like Haiti, the lost colony, um, the French revolution ones, all that, all those are really good. I, I enjoy this because a lot of that stuff I don't know that that much about. So it's, it's a good learning experience for me. Right. I like good. stimulates the mind. Ah, good. Thank you. Glad Thank to hear. You. Thank you. doing all the storytelling, but I'm happy to be there and yeah. ask silly questions. Sure, sure. Talented man. All right, I think I think we're good. I think that's what we got. Right? I'm a little sad you're not going to tell the Katrina stuff. Well, Lisa, I got to be honest with you. I think we're probably going to be locked in here, quarantined for a long time. We got so time. Let's give it a couple more weeks. Maybe we'll do a follow up where we do a couple more feel good sports stories. And we'll I think there's a lot out there. Oh, there's so many. Oh, there's so many out there. Maybe I'll do one. Maybe I can do one about water polo or swimming. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, I I feel like we have to end as we always do, as you guys always do. Um, I do a little pop culture segment. Okay. What do you got for us? Uh, I I will say so. So two shows big on right. I know everybody's all about Tiger King. Blah blah blah. (laughs) Hot take. I have not seen it yet. Um. I don't know. Have you guys seen it? We, we watched it. We caved it. and we wa- we, we, we binged it. You, yeah. So so did you reluctantly cave or you're like, ah, when I get around to it, cave? Yeah, we kind of accidentally cave. I feel like it just started playing on Netflix and then we were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> we got marketed too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say this though. I didn't want to watch it because I thought it was just more murder porn. But there's a lot more going on than just murder porn. So it it's felt different. Yeah, it's much different. It felt different, which was cool. It was like a story of like how many bad people can exist 
I don't even know. While trading tigers. While trading tigers. (laughs) Yeah. Like why does, why does the tiger trade only attract terrible people? Even ones that like say that they're saving them. That's what I would say. Like what, what? Yeah. I I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen it. So it's on the list to do. Um, so I've avoided that, but I will, I will give you guys two shows. Okay. The one that we are, that, that, uh, my girlfriend Caitlin and I are currently, well, one we finished one is called for all mankind. Okay. Excellent show. It's on Apple TV plus. Okay. Apple TV is called for all mankind. For those of you who don't know, I get sized for anything having to do with space travel, any movies. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to finish that sentence like that. <laughs> right. We're talking interstellar. We're talking deep impact. We're talking Armageddon. We're talking about nice. Apollo 13. You get a space movie. I get do you watch Contact? You ever seen Contact? I haven't seen Contact. Oh, see Contact. Yeah, that's Lisa's space. favorite it's space like, movie. I love that movie. It's oh, my favorite space I, movie. I have to watch that. Put it on, All put right. on the list. Gra- I don't. I don't get that jacked up about gravity. Um, Sandra Bullock kind of floating around space, but I still <laughs> watched it. Like I still paid money to go see it because nice, I love nice, space. Nice. Movies. Mm-hmm. So it's called For All Mankind, and it's uh, historical fiction. So it's the premise is all if the Soviets beat us to the moon and the corresponding rate space race. Oh, I did see a commercial for this. It's like that sounds so vaguely familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, I'm I'm into we, that. And it's kind of on on theme with what we've been talking we, about. It is. We, yeah. we loved it. Character development is excellent in there. Um a lot of good space stuff, got a lot of good um a lot of good conflict, a lot of all of its great stuff. We were very disappointed when we got to the end. Oh. Like that it was over. Yeah. Can I say something very assholey though? Yeah. You're on the trend tonight. Well, yeah. I mean, but like, I, in my opinion, we did lose the space race. It's an American narrative to say we won because we got to the moon first, but the Russians were the first people to put a guy in space. They're the first people to launch a a satellite. I mean, in a lot of ways, like. What about, what about a chimpanzee? The the Russian beat the American chimpanzee into space. What, was it, right. was it a Russian man? What, yeah. So you get a chimp up there, His though. name was Yuri Kurgan. But what about the chimp? Who cares about a chimp? They had to do a living human stay up there. So, so yeah, it, it's almost like um, – you guys ever watch, like, Office Space, right? Who loves Office Space? You the greatest film space? ever, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, you know when they're having the fight in the car and she's like, how could you do this? How can you judge me? And then it's like – at least you didn't sleep with lumber. Right? <laughs> yeah, at least yeah. I didn't sleep with lumber. That's kind of what the space race is, right? We, we, you know, they did all these things before, but I got to the moon. What yeah. did you do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like you know, getting the get, get getting to the top of the top of the mountain okay. before they. All right. If that's how you, uh-huh. I guess the moon is the hardest thing to do. So I guess in that respect, all out. Yeah, yeah. But but Steve, you're you're not wrong. They they did do a lot of stuff before we did. That is correct. Can I tell you what my favorite thing about the space race was? Yes. Is that the Russians did something incredible, which is put a satellite into orbit around the Earth, and that satellite was called Sputnik, right? Mm-hmm. But that is just Russian for satellite, and I think that's really <laughs> hilarious and so I Russian. Didn't... It's just like yes, we will call it satellite, and like that's that, that was it. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's all. I it means. had no idea. Yeah. Huh. Anyways, back back to the pop calls. So, yeah. uh, for all mankind, it's pretty cool. Check it out, yeah. Apple TV Plus. And then uh, I am a massive, massive Ozarks fan, 
And Ozark is good. I watched the first season. Right now. Yeah. A lot of my friends, especially my St. Louis clique, huge into Ozark. Oh, I bet. Well, that's their homeland. Oh, yeah, it is. That's, that's, their, that's their jam. That's the type of Missourian I'm friends with. They all live in trailers by the Ozark <laughs> Lake. Yeah. All related to Langmore. A lot of them, like, know? some of them are getting out of prison as we speak. You know. <laughs> Oh, that's good. all right. So that's what I'm watching. I don't know what Thank you guys you. are watching while this this uh, pandemic's going on. Thank you. I've been hammering movies. I've been like, I'm I'm going through all the Paul Thomas Anderson movies right now, and then I'm going to go through all the Daniel Day Lewis movies. Ooh. Yeah, but again, what's this your, is a, what's your favorite Daniel Day Lewis movie? Oh, without a doubt, there will be blood. Yeah. Ooh. I'm a huge there will be blood guy. He talks about right. it a lot. Yeah. Um, I see the worst in people. <laughs> um, I, I, I go back and forth. There's two. I love Last of the Mohicans. Mohicans is great. Mohicans is great. And then uh, I did love Daniel Day Lewis's rendition of Abraham Lincoln in the movie Lincoln. So he, I, I I think he's great in it because he's great in everything. But that movie to me was honestly very slow. And like Very he, slow. he's Extremely in a lot of slow. slow movies, but that is the one that's like too slow for me. Yeah. And if it wasn't for it, him being Daniel Day Lewis, I probably wouldn't have even made it through the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are we going to do Gangs of New York? Gangs of New York isn't an awesome movie. It's very visually cool. It's not. Yeah. Cause we actually tried to watch it a couple years ago and we were like, this isn't, this is great. mediocre. For yeah. All the actors in Scorsese. It's kind of, yeah. um, Okay. Yeah, well, I'll tag along to at least half of those. I'll see how I feel. Okay, cool. Um, what else? I mean, oh, puzzles. We've gotten into puzzles. Oh. My dad sent us this puzzle, and because I'm such a puzzle noob, it looked easy because the, the image wasn't complicated. And like, I was like, oh, well, if it's a simple image, that's what's easy about a puzzle. But well, it's no. even harder. They're much harder. Yeah. This it's is like, like three colors. It's in the three whole colors thing. in the whole thing. It's like just like it's just like a owl, and it's like all blue. And it we just finished it after like a week, and it's like a small. It's not big. It took a really long time, and it was basically like every piece we'd be like, mm, no, mm, no, like there was really no tricks to it. You just to try everything. Um, so yeah, now we're puzzlers. I started filtering water. <laughs> well, it, 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 hey, you know what? Never, never better time to start than now. I, I learned. Lisa, slow down all this exciting news. <laughs> right. Like this week, God. Bow, 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 bow. Like if someone's driving, they're going to have to pull over right now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> and it, and I, I've been very fond of in-home workouts. I take more walks than I've ever taken in my life. Yeah, oh, never taken more walks get nature. Got to get that nature Nature's in. Nature's great for your immunity, actually. So get that fresh air. <laughs> I'm um, trying. Yeah. And uh, other than that, though, I think. Uh, I like to pride ourselves on not talking too much about Corona. Oh, yeah, that's quarantine. true. That's true. That's true. Just okay. saying. Point. We'll take it back. back. I like it. But I think I want to cut out here because we are getting to, we're an hour and seven minutes. Ooh, we are. Yeah. Nice. So, so you want to get. I'm glad you're having fun. Okay. Yeah, it's true. Hey, Glass, do this for me. Uh, yeah. Say, my name is Brandon, and I used to coach football with Steve. My name is Brandon, and I used to coach football with Steve. And my name is Steve, and I used to be a history teacher. My name's Lisa, and I married him.